continue today with our vision series, Move Beyond. And maybe last week was maybe the toughest challenge yet because we were challenged to move beyond our hurts and our resentments and all of those things, not just to forgiveness, but ultimately to love. And that forgiveness bridge is a hard one to cross sometimes because really it requires us to make the first move. It's not up to us to wait for the other person. It's up to us. And that's difficult for us sometimes. But it's the right choice. And it's what God wants us to do. And it's really the only way that we're going to get to the point to where we really love one another. So I hope you're making progress. Uh, I I will mention that we do have a couple of uh, books I call The Freedom of Forgiveness left. And I mentioned those last week. If you'd like a copy or if you'd like to borrow a copy, just see me afterwards and we can make that happen for you. Today, there, there's a term in, in the, related to the stock market called day trader. And I, I'm not one of those people, but I'm told a day trader is an investor who jumps in and out of the stock market uh, often many times a day to capitalize on small price changes. Uh, Day traders really have no interest at all in the particular companies whose stock they're buying. Their only interest is making a quick profit. And day trading is often glamorized as being uh, a very lucrative business, but it, it really isn't. In fact, the Security and Exchange Commission has said that day trading is very risky and also can result in significant financial loss in a very short amount of time. Sometimes I I think that uh, in churches uh, around our country, maybe even here, uh, there might be Christian day traders kind of pop in and out and uh, maybe find something that's of of, of benefit. Uh, But really, there's there's never an investment. And uh, don't take me wrong, I am tickled to death that you're here. Uh, But the, the thing is that that in the kingdom of God, uh, what God really wants us to do uh, is to move beyond being a, a consumer to being an investor. It's a difficult thing to do for us sometimes. But I want to tell you about the, the benefits uh, of, of long-term investments in the kingdom of God. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Long-term investments basically heighten interest and loyalty. Uh, trust me, if I have my money invested in a company, I'm going to care about how that company does. Uh, it's going to be important to me. And I'll give you an example. Uh, I have some stock in Starbucks, okay? I will drive past 50, 100 McDonald's to find one Starbucks. Why? It's because I have an investment in them. I'm interested in how they're doing. And not only will I drive past 50 McDonald's, I will encourage others to do the same. Because I'm invested in it. Jesus was not talking about Starbucks, but Jesus did say in Matthew 6, 21, he said, your heart will be where your treasure is. And there's a great need in this church and a great need in churches all over the country today for investors. Uh, We need people who will remain faithful. We need people who will invest their time and their energy and their finances and their personality and their talents and their wisdom and experiences in the kingdom of God. That's how the church grows. That's how the kingdom of God grows, when we all invest what God has given us in his kingdom. Lindsay Slayton says that God is looking for men and women who will invest their lives in a cause bigger 
than their own plans. Invest their lives in a cause bigger than their own plans. Are you one of those people who are willing to invest your life in something that's bigger than your plans? That's what we want to talk about today. Sometimes we just come to consume. But what God is looking for in the church today is people who will invest. So again, today, the move beyond part of today's sermon is to get you to move beyond just being a consumer in the kingdom of God, in the church, to being an investor. And the goal is not to shame anybody. The goal is not to make you feel guilty. The goal is just simply to encourage you and to try to show you the benefits of becoming an investor in the kingdom of God. I know a lot of you are investors and have been for a long time. And I want to say thank you. And it would be easy for you to say, well, I can just tune this out. I can sit back and take a snooze and, and relax. And I know some of you might do that anyway. But you can't, if you're an investor, remember we're talking about move beyond. So wherever you are, there's going to be a challenge here for you today to not just be satisfied where you are, but also to move beyond. And I also want to clarify one thing. Just because you're an investor in the kingdom of God doesn't mean that you quit being a consumer. You still benefit from all of the, of the benefits of the church. The, only, the difference is, though, that you're invested in making those things happen. And a lot of people will say, well, I just don't have a lot to invest. And you are dead wrong with that. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, everyone has something to invest and what we need to realize is that the issue is not about what we don't have, but the issue is about using what we do have to invest in the kingdom of God. Invest what you have. And just so you understand also, when I'm talking about investment, I, I'm not just talking about money. Money's certainly a part of it. Your financial investment in the church is certainly important, and we're going to talk about that a little bit. But that's not all there is. That is not all there is. In fact, Paul, in Romans 12, talks about investing what you have. You may not have thought about this particular passage as dealing with investment, but Romans 12, beginning verse 3, says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others." few things I think he's saying here. One is that you, you need to really be honest about how you evaluate yourself. And it would be easy to read this passage and to say, okay, don't overemphasize or, or overestimate your particular gift. In other words, if you're gifted in a certain area, don't blow it out of proportion. Don't think of yourself as being better than you are. Take where you are, what you got, right where it is, Okay. But here's something else I think he's saying. Is we need to be honest in evaluating ourselves. A lot of people will say, well, I'm not very good at that. Or I'm not very good at this. Or I'm not very good at something else. Listen, if God has gifted you with that, it's important in the kingdom of God. I've heard pastors, I may have even done this. And if I, if I have, I'm sorry. 
But here's the thing that really bugs me sometimes. People will say, well, it doesn't matter if you're a greeter or if you're a missionary. And what they've done is they've said that, okay, way down here at the bottom of gifts is, is being a greeter, but way up here at the top of gift is, is being a missionary. It doesn't work that way. If God has gifted you, if God has put the body together, his church, as he wants it, every gift is important, every gift is strategic, and every gift is meant to be used to help the body. Being a missionary is no more important than being a greeter. Being a pastor is no more important than, than teaching a, a life group. None of those things. There's not a hierarchy. So don't think that because you have a gift that it's better than someone else's. But at the same time, don't downplay and hide and not use your gift because you don't think it's important or is not as good as someone else's. All are necessary. All are different. But all are needed and all are valued. Verse 6, he says, We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Each believer has been given a different gift and it's been distributed to them by God in a balanced way. You see, I believe the Bible tells us that God put the church, and not just the greater church, but each individual church, this church, I believe that God has put together exactly as he wanted it. And if God put it together exactly as he wanted it, then what that means that everything that is needed in this body to make this church what it should be is already here. It's already here. The problem and the challenge is not finding it, but it's finding people who will invest what they have. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you've been given a gift, and God wants you to use it. And so when I hear people say, well, we just don't have this, we just don't have this, we just don't have this, yes, we do. We have it. It's here. I believe it. It's just getting people to realize that and invest it in the kingdom of God. Again, it's not about what you don't have, but it's about what you already have and using it in the kingdom of God. So, why should you invest and what are some of the ways that you can invest? Well, Paul, writing the Romans here, talks about a lot of things. The first one he says is prophesying. He says, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy. Well, you may say, well, I'm not a prophet. Well, that's, in our context, not really what that means. Uh, it can also mean to proclaim God's word. It can mean to preach. And you might say, well, <laughs> that's not my calling. Well, that's fine. I'll, I'll take that responsibility for now. Some of you can do it later, maybe. But here's the thing. Don't discount any of this. 
You know, okay, maybe you weren't called to be a preacher and a pastor of a church, but maybe God's leading you into some area of ministry. And I think one of the greatest failings of the church is we don't identify young people anymore who might have gifts in ministry. We don't identify young people who might be the future preachers and pastors. We don't identify the people who might be the future youth leaders and children's leaders. We don't. We're not very intentional about that. And that's a fault on, the, on, the, on my part. Because I ought to be diligently out there looking for people who God has called and who God has gifted. So what I'm saying to you is, look for people, but also at the same time, don't discount this. You know, if you feel that God might be calling you to something. I remember the very first time my youth minister told me that God was calling me to ministry. And I was 13 years old and I laughed in his face. Don't ever do that. Don't ever discount God's calling in your life. If you feel that's something you're gifted at, even in the least bit, come talk to me, and we'll see what we can do about it. He says serving. He says if your gift is serving, then serve. There are endless opportunities here. I could go through a whole list of ways that you can serve. In fact, I could probably talk for the rest of this time about ways that you can serve here at Clarksburg Baptist Church. But here's what I want to do. Because rather than go down a list and you, you listen to me kind of tick off this list and you say, well, nothing on that list, even though we mentioned 30 things, nothing on that list is really anything that, that I feel like I can serve in. So here's what I tell people. I don't want to just give you a list. I'll give you suggestions maybe. But here's what I want you to ask yourself. What are you good at doing? What are you good at doing? What do you enjoy doing? And when you answer those two questions, then find something in the kingdom of God that you can do, that you're good at doing, and that also that you enjoy doing. If you don't know what that is, come talk to me. I bet you anything I can point you in the right area to serve. If you can identify what you enjoy doing and what you're good at doing. Then teaching. Well, people will say, well, I, I, I'm not a teacher. I, I couldn't teach a, a life group. I, I couldn't teach uh, you know, a, a Bible study. I, I can't teach children. I, I, I can't teach youth. People will, will say that to me all, all the time. And, and I will admit, teaching's a gift. Um, God did not gift me with, with teaching children and youth. I love children and youth. I've had children and youth living in my home. I have. They grew up. <laughs> but that's not my gift. But you know what? In today's technological world, uh, teaching's gotten a lot easier. It, it has. There's tons of materials. You can facilitate a group. You don't have to teach it. If you want to facilitate a life group where there's discussion going on, you know, everybody has the same material. You can kind of moderate that discussion. Doesn't mean you have to have some big theological degree and have charts and graphs and all this kind of stuff. Also in the technology age, uh, there are all sorts of resources available. In fact, sometimes I think the number one qualification in some areas to lead a life group is if you are able to open the door, invite people into your home, turn on the television, turn on the DVD player, put a DVD in and push push play. If you can do that, 
then you're well on your way with technology that's available to leading a group. Or pull it up on your laptop. We subscribe to Right Now. Everybody who comes to this church has access to Right Now. And it's a, just an abundant library uh, of, of videos and, and studies and, and all sorts of things for all sorts of areas of your life. So it's not as hard as you might think. If God's leading you to do that, let me know. We'll hook you up. Encouraging is something else. He said, if it's encouraging, then encourage. Lots of ways you can encourage. I've mentioned this before. We have a, a list of shut-ins, people who are unable to get out of their homes and come to church. Uh, it's available in the church office. We have their addresses, and we have their, in some cases, their, their phone numbers. If you want to be an encouragement to them and go visit them or to send them a card, you don't have to know who they are. You can, they'll be happy to get it and know that, that you're praying for them and you want to encourage them. That's something easy that you can do. It's also an opportunity to be involved and celebrate recovery. They're always looking for people to be encouragers, to help people in their walk of faith, to help people through their recovery. Lou will be able to hook you up in that area if that's what you're interested in. Maybe it's encouraging someone who's younger than the faith. We talked about discipling a couple of weeks ago. And the idea that, that maybe you can encourage someone as they grow in the faith doesn't mean that you're the, the big know-it-all. doesn't mean that you progressed uh, all the way that you can in your faith. But it just means that you're willing to encourage someone else as they grow in their faith. Giving. That's one of the things that sometimes is a touchy area in churches. And we don't ever apologize for talking about giving here. Giving's important. I never apologize for the fact that it takes money to operate a church. It takes money to operate your home. It takes money to operate a business. Same way in the church. If we're going to do ministry, ministry costs money. And where do we get it? From the investment of people who are invested in Clarksburg Baptist Church. People who are willing to, to see that, that they want to have a part in something bigger than themselves. And so they're faithful givers. That's how we fund what we do here at Clarksburg Baptist Church. You know, some of the things that we fund may not seem glamorous, uh, though, but those, I want to throw this out. Those of you who were cold last Sunday because we didn't have heat, I hope you're warm this week because we do have heat. How, how did we get heat? Somebody paid for it. Now, that's not glamorous. But you have a cold, dark church in January, nobody's going to come. And if nobody comes, then there's nobody to do ministry. My point is, consider your giving. What's the biblical standard for giving? He just says it here. It's generosity. I don't want to put a percentage on it. He just says, if you're, just be generous. Be generous in your giving. Realizing that what you're giving to is something that's far bigger than yourself and that lives are being changed. It's not about the amount, but it's about the faithfulness. And I've said before that this church continues not because we have a bunch of rich people who go here, but we have a bunch of faithful people uh, who are giving to God because they're invested here in the kingdom of God. Leading. Well, maybe you're not a leader. I don't think you are. But think about it. What do, what do you do outside the church? What do you do in your business? Do you have leadership qualities? 
Now, if you do, we're not going to ask you to be the moderator of the church. We're not going to ask you to be a chair of some commission. We're not going to ask you to be the treasurer. We may not ask you to do something like that. But there are other ways that you can be a leader in the church if you have those skills. Sometimes people will say to me, well, I could have done that, but nobody asked me. Well, we didn't because we didn't know. So tell us. Paul says, look, you have been given gifts. If one of them is leadership, then tell us you have those gifts. And we'll find a place for you to be used. I like the last one he mentions, showing mercy. Talks about a heart of compassion. A heart of compassion and an eagerness to extend mercy. This is a hurting world that we live in. And this is a great gift. And you have opportunity every day to exercise this. You know people who are hurting. You know people who are struggling. You see people out in in life that are going through difficult times. I need people to show mercy. There's enough judgment in our world. There's enough hate in our world. We need people to show love and mercy. We were all shown love and mercy in Jesus Christ who saved us. Now, does that mean you condone everything that goes on in the world? No. We have standards. We have biblical standards. We have solid biblical standards. The Bible doesn't change. But we show mercy to people who are hurting. We show mercy to people who are going through difficult times. We show mercy to people who are confused or who are or being led by some false doctrine somewhere else. We show mercy to those people in the hopes of leading them to Christ. If that is your gift, it's a good one. It's a good one. If you're good at doing that, he says show mercy. And he says to do it cheerfully. The word cheerfully literally means hilarious. It's kind of an interesting term. And I I was trying to figure out, what does he mean? If your gift is showing mercy, then do it hilariously. It's kind of an interesting thought. I'll just give you this. You can come up with any reason you want to. I'll just give you this one. Um, If something's kind of funny, you'll chuckle, right? It's just kind of funny. But if something's hilarious, you will double over laughing. You will laugh uncontrollably you'll be walking down the street in broad daylight all by yourself and suddenly you will break into laughter because you remember what was so funny before it's just a spontaneous thing it's something that you can't control it's something that's lavish it's something that's over the top and that's what he's saying when you show mercy it's something that's over the top and it's something that you just break out doing on occasions that you would never expect it Again, what this body of believers needs, God has already given it. The challenge for us is to invest it. I hear people say all the time, you know, well, we don't have this, or we don't have that, or we don't have this. But the answer is yes, we do. Yes, we do. It's here. It's here. We have people who have the abilities. It's just getting people to invest them. I was at our annual meeting of our West Virginia Baptist Convention uh, last week, and it was an enjoyable time. 
And it was nice to be able to speak at the convention and share a little bit about the ministry of Clarksburg Baptist Church. And it was great to hear other people uh, who also shared things that are going on in their church. The theme for the convention, that particular meeting, but also their theme for the year, is going beyond just surviving to thriving. Going from just surviving to thriving. And as I listened to people speak, and as I listened and as I thought about things, one of the, one of the, really things that, the things that really stuck out for me is this. Churches that are just surviving are all the time sitting around going, oh, well, we, we, we just don't have this, and we don't have this, and we don't have this, and we don't have that, and we can't do this, and we can't do that. Those are churches that are just surviving. Churches that are really thriving are churches that realize that if God has put us here, God has given us everything that we need, and it's up to all of us to find a way to invest that. That is the difference. Both churches, the survivors and the thrivers, both of them have what they need. It's just the ones who are thriving have found a way to get people to invest in the kingdom. To make it work. Everybody. Everybody. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ. Has a gift. That God wants you to invest. In his kingdom. Doesn't matter how large. Or how small you think it is. He wants you to invest it. In the kingdom of God. Here's another thing. Nobody invests. In something. With the expectation of losing. If I invest $100, I don't invest it hoping that in six months it'll be down to 80. Nobody does that. You don't invest money with the expectation of it going down. It does sometimes, but you don't do it. You don't invest it with the expectation of that happening. What do you do? You invest it with the expectation of it growing, of something good coming from it. And that's what happens in the kingdom of God. There's a... Um, uh, a term, uh, there's a prospectus. If you listen to commercials and they want you to invest in something, they'll always say, well, before you invest, read the prospectus. Uh, the prospectus, uh, there may be, if you're a financial person, you may have a better definition, but I'll just describe it in layman's terms. It's basically a document that, that talks about the major features, uh, the possible risks, and the possible benefits of a particular investment that you're going to make. And they say to read that before. Well, I'm happy to say that the prospectus of investing in the kingdom of God has some wonderful benefits from you. And so that's what I want to end with today, is just telling you there's some wonderful benefits. What it will do, if you invest in the kingdom of God, if you invest in this church, it will change your life. It really will. I've seen a lot of people whose lives have been changed because they went from just kind of hoarding what they had and not using what they had to getting involved in the kingdom of God to investing their lives in the kingdom of God. And I've seen their lives change dramatically because they found something to invest their gifts and their lives in that's making a difference and it changes them when they invest. You'll also see a change in your community. When people in the church invest their lives in the church, it makes a difference in the community. Clarksburg Baptist Church has been here on this corner for a long, 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 long time. We're not here just to, to be here. 
I believe that God has put us here to make a difference in our community. And if you invest, if you invest in this church and in the kingdom of God, it will make a difference. We're making a difference in our community. But we can make a bigger difference in our community if everybody will invest. That's a great benefit. Not only do you see your life change, but you see your community change. And then God blesses your obedience. This is the wonderful thing. God doesn't say, be a partner with me, and I'm going to leave you hanging, or I'm going to make you poor. God doesn't say that. What the Bible teaches is that if we invest in the kingdom of God, God continues to bless us in the sense that he continues to give us things to invest and to be a blessing to others. He keeps resupplying us. Doesn't mean he makes us rich or gives us a new car. It means that he keeps resupplying us because we partnered with him. We're making a difference, and he wants to encourage us in that. So he continues to bless us. You will never go poor investing in the kingdom of God. Also, you'll see a change in the future, church. And this is one that I, I really feel strongly about. It's a temptation for us to, to think, well, it's just for what's happening right now. You know, we kind of live in a society, everything's just kind of from moment, moment to moment. We're here today as a church, not because of all the consumers that have come through the door. We're here today because of all the investors, of people for the last 160 some odd years, close to 170, who had invested, invested themselves and all that they have in this church. That's why we're here. Why will a future generation still be here doing work for Christ? If we make the investment. If we fail to make the investment in future generations, then future generations may not be here. The kingdom of God will go on, and God will find some other body to do his work. But if we want this church to continue its ministry here, if we want there to be a future church with future leaders, then we who are here now need to invest. And also you'll see a change in the world. <laughs> and when you look at our world, you think, man, what, what kind of difference can I make in all of that? What kind of difference can I make in all of that? All right. You're not a senator, you're not the president, you're not a big military leader, and you say, well, well, what difference can I make? Well, okay, God didn't gift you to be those things. But God gave you a gift. And the way to make a difference in the world is not for me to stand up and suddenly announce that the world's going to be different. I know that's not going to happen. But if I become the person that Christ wants me to be, if I continue to develop and to use my gift, and if all my other fellow believers continue to do the same thing and to develop what God has given me, you will see a change in the world. That's the way it happens. Not in just some magic snap of the fingers. Not in some big declaration. It happens when we become what we're supposed to be in Jesus Christ. That's how we're going to change the world. So when you invest in the kingdom of God, when you invest in the kingdom of God, you will see a change in your life. You will see a change in your community. You will also find that God continues to bless you so that you can continue to be a blessing to other people. You'll see a difference in the future church. But also you'll see a difference in the world. And with those kind of benefits, how in the world 
can we resist moving from a consumer to an investor? Let's pray.